I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And this is episode 43 of Fried Squirms, your favorite podcast where you listen to two idiots get super stoned and talk about horror movies. Oh yeah, and we enjoy every minute of it. I just have to say again, like not to trash on the series, but going through the entire series of Hannibal wore me out. Oh, yeah. It was really nice just watching one film. It was awesome. We watched Saw this week. We're here to talk about the first Saw. Yeah, the very first Saw. And we realized that Jigsaw yeah. is coming out. When you hear this, it'll be coming out in a couple days, I believe. Right. I think we timed this so that you can hear this and then go see it. We're not exactly sure what our plans are going to be that weekend, getting close to like Halloween and all that, but there's still shit going on. Unlike It, where we made a huge point to go see it, we might go see it. I know, that I'm, I know that I'm going to try. I know that Danny's going to try. If we do go see it, I'm sure we'll find some way to talk about it. Oh, most certainly. But we wanted to talk about this movie for kind of a bit anyway. So For me, it's one of those films that help kind of rekindle a certain interest in a different, I won't say genre of, of horror, but it was kind of in a niche category for horror at that time. I find this film to be very fascinating for a number of reasons because of things that are actually in the movie. I think we'll get to that a little bit more in the squeal section. Must have. And in fact, I mean... Before we get into too much even about Saw and like the guts and bolts and everything, I do want to point out that I'm very excited because I received in the mail the first two issues of Before the Mask, the comic book continuation of Leslie Vernon's story. You can go back and check out our Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon episode. Oh man, I love that movie. Such an amazing meta breakdown of slasher movies and the comic very much continues being extremely meta. It's really good so far. I suppose, slight spoiler warning, if you don't want to kind of know what's going on, I'll try to make it more synopsis-y, but I kind of just want to like gab about it a little bit, though, because oh, I, re- I just got done reading it not too long ago, and it's only the first two issues out of six. The events in the film happened, and it's now present day, and Leslie's been underground, but I guess the tape surfaced, and inspired this guy to make a movie about the whole thing called The Harvest Murders. Okay. And people start getting killed on his set, and they suspect that it might be Leslie. But he can't carry it out in normal slasher fashion, just like a film crew doesn't have the right makeup for that. And so he's just trying to get them to give up because he feels like they're telling his story wrong. So they're getting Taylor to come in to try to draw Leslie out so they can talk to him. And in the very beginning, it seems like... The rest of it seems like a flashback from the very opening scene, because from the very opening scene, you can tell that she's been successful, and Leslie's sitting down, and they're, like, furthering interviews, and it's, like, super fucking meta, and they're, nice. they're talking about, like, well, like it used to be in slasher movies that the kids out there doing drugs would get fucking killed. But now with so many more states having recreational use marijuana <laughs> and just the progressiveness Fucking of like marijuana law, like laws, like, will that be taken into consideration? Like, are you going to ask for the guy's medical card before you fucking kill <laughs> him or not? Yeah. Like, That's funny. And they start grilling him on like, a, oh God, they start <laughs> on, <laughs> on gay sex. Oh, damn. Because normally the teenagers that go off to have sex are the ones that get killed. But they have to make them, like, bring up the fact that, like, as it is right now, like, it kind of gets a pass because most, because the slashers don't want to get involved in that. So gay sex is okay, but normal sex you get to yeah. killed. Heterosexual. 
it's a weird pass, but it's discriminatory for like a weird reason, and they start getting on his ass about it and shit, and like that's funny. He's he's hearkening back the old days, and so he's like, whatever, fine, like I'll kill everybody, like <laughs> no discrimination. They were surviving, but it was because the slashers weren't recognizing them because of their old world values. That's funny. And so now he's going to start killing everybody to show acceptance. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's an interesting uh, story arc to kind of catch up the character to speed. And, and it kind of seems I, I'd have to go back and take a look at the panels. I thought there was a camera crew also with her, but it might have been just cops. I mean, I guess Taylor might be just like a detective, but I think she's running basically a slasher version of to catch a predator oh damn that's funny because <laughs> she knows all the tricks now yeah have a seat right over there <laughs> that's funny her entry is like they set up a sting for a slasher and catch him he's all dressed up as like a mountain climber has fucking like the pick not the pickaxes the climbing axes mm-hmm. and he's about to just lay into these fucking this couple having sex upstairs at this teen party <laughs> and they just like both like whip around with guns and shit and she bursts in behind and that's funny <laughs> dude that's gonna be worth checking out for sure i'm glad you got those copies that's cool and fucking robert england's back i mean it looks just like him i can't remember the name of his character but god and they have to go revisit eugene that's oh yeah. awesome yeah, yeah just in those first two issues like all that shit happens nice, it's fucking man. nuts it's so good so far. I have to look into how I can get my hands on the rest because I can't remember which level I donated on the Indiegogo and all that good shit. So right on. But I need to get my hands on the rest. So or they might not be even be out yet. So well, be a good way to conclude it at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool, man. No, I guess other than that, you know, Friday the Thirteenth has just passed. I did make a concerted effort to watch my favorite one in the series and that was jason lives part six and i learned something interesting about one of the main actresses in the film is while looking at trivia you know because we're kind of used to doing that shit anyway but found out that the actress she married the owner of celestial seasonings tea oh shit yeah and i was like wow that is we sell a lot of celestial seasonings (laughs) yeah we sell a lot of tea but that's a huge one so if you're familiar with part six and the love interest of Tommy Jarvis, the adult Tommy Jarvis. You'll know that she's now married to a tycoon in the tea industry. Wow, tea tycoon. Yeah, tea bagging every night. Nah. <laughs> Got him. But no, I thought it was kind of cool. But like I said, it gave me a chance to go back and watch a film that I really like in the series, so why not? I didn't. <laughs> My extracurricular horror so far for the week has been that. I might squeeze in something later on tonight, but... Oh, oh, we both mentioned that we have watched a series this week. I don't know if you oh, mentioned that or not. I, I mean, it's, it's not horror-related, but goddamn, I love me some American Vandal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we're going to plug that just for a second. But You were getting on my ass it. about watching that, and so I went through it all this week and fucking loved it. It was hilarious. At the end, it got kind of real, and I almost felt bad. Like I know, right? But that's how good it was. Like you guys it, caught me laughing at everything. <laughs> Goddamn, yeah. Like I was like, oh shit. Um, no, I felt it was good too. Like I needed a good hearty laugh throughout the week, and it was definitely worth it. <laughs> he was a known dick drawer. Oh my gosh, yeah. And there's some technicalities that they mention on the show that shows that he might not have been the culprit to begin with. Anyway, yeah, American Vandal, Netflix. And as we're about to get into Saw, it is also currently available on Netflix, which made yes, it super it easy to watch. So It was awesome. I mean, I already have the films on DVD. I'm but really glad that you let me know that because I was getting ready great. to like be nefarious because I don't know what happened my copy of Saw. I know that I used to have it, but... 
Sometimes you got to be a pirate. I think the only one that I have right now is Saw 2. And I, even that, I'd have to go digging for, but I should have it. Oh, it's got Donnie. I like number two. It's a good one. We were talking about this the other day. I think I only ever got up to number five myself. I want to say, and that's I know four and five. Well. I think four and five. I each only saw once. The others I'd seen at least twice. Yeah. I mean, three I might have seen only twice. I want to say I saw it more like three times, but I might have seen it only twice. But one and two I definitely have seen. I'd seen those numerous times compared to the others. Two I've seen a lot more than the rest, which is funny because I think it's probably the worst out of all of them it's kind of boring no i understand after a while they kind of the story you do have to pay attention to details because it does tell the bigger picture but it is kind of a slaw through it or sloth through it um one i realized i hadn't seen in a long time maybe not super long like i had seen it recently but i hadn't really turned a critical eye to it this was an interesting watch yeah i agree for some obvious reasons which i know you and i will delve into but that uh, pretty much catches me up to speed in terms of what i've been up to yeah me too let's get into the guts and bolts of this yeah bitch. let's do it guts and bolts all right guts and bolts yeah i'll open them guts and bolts of our 43rd film saw from 2004 2004 saw for some reason i thought this film was before 2004 but i don't know why but to me it always felt it was more like 2002 no there was a reason why i recall 2004 because that's when i came back from new york i spent a little time up there working and that fall i had went and seen this in the theater and i'll mention that story a little bit later on but yeah it harkens back a memorable time for me in the early 2000s this is james wan's directorial debut sure is James Wan, now probably better known. He's done some pretty cool films. Furious 7, which more recently? I was going to say, Furious 7, this dude has now done a fucking Fast and the Furious movie. Oh yeah, we were just talking about Paul Walker And one of the ones that people actually kind of fucking, like, the series definitely nosedives very sharply (sighs) at 2. Tokyo Drift is okay. 4 is okay. And then from like 5 on, the entire series just like embraces the fact that it's insane just like a big cultural thing now and so he did one of the ones that people like like that's a good one it's not like he did fucking too fast too furious (laughs) yeah no part seven had a pretty strong outing for it big cast people know it he's also responsible for a more current film that's going to come out i'm super excited because he's directing my man crush jason momoa in aquaman yeah dude it's gonna be interesting to see his take on Aquaman. He's also responsible for... I was about to say, I, he's also done other horror movies. Maybe yeah. we should mention that. <laughs> There's two of them I'll mention right off the bat. He directed the first and second Insidious films, and the first and second Conjuring films. Which, you know what? I haven't actually watched either the Conjurings or either the Insidious. I have seen I am, the I'm first interested Insidious. in watching the Insidious. I've it's heard not bad. It's, Ins- it's all right. Yeah. That's about what I've heard, but that's enough for me. Yeah. That's enough. I'm it's sure entertaining I'll find enough. I'll like. Especially because I like this guy, but... Likewise. His partner in crime in this film, because both of these gentlemen from Australia, is Lee Wan-il. And he helped write this film, and he also helped write the story for this film. People probably know him for his work. He's an actor in lots of films. He's directed, I believe, the third Insidious film. But he helped write the first three Saw films in a film called Cooties, which I've heard was pretty good. I think it has Elijah Wood and Rain Wilson and a few other actors Mm. in it. So I'm going to have to check that one out. And, of course, he acts in this film. He certainly does. As Adam Stanhight. And I don't want to go into it too much yet, but he might have been my favorite part upon this critical rewatch. He turns in a strong performance, I believe, in this film. 
Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Won't hold back. This is just the guts and bolts. Yeah. This is what's keeping it going, but it's not quite how I'm feeling yet. Oh, we're going to loop it up here just a minute. (laughs) Nice. So he is a part of the tandem of our writers for this film. Uh, Our cinematographer for this film is David A. Armstrong. Now, he is the DP for the very first six Saw films. He also was a DP for Hellraiser Revelations, The Grave Dancers, Skinwalkers, and Next Day Air is what I have written down. Sweet. Yeah, our editor is Kevin Grutert. He was responsible for the first five Saw films, the editing department. He is responsible for editing on the new Jigsaw film that's coming out. A really strong film I would highly suggest if you have not seen it. It's a film called The Collector, but he did the second one called The Collection. So he's responsible for editing on The Collection, the film The Strangers, Jezebel, and Titanic. He was the part of the editorial department, and he was a an assistant editor for Ernest Scared Stupid. So that was actually one of his first films that he helped edit. Oh, wow. And at the time, I think he was an apprentice, actually. Dude, we're covering that at some point because that movie gave me nightmares when I was little. (laughs) Dude, I love Ernest. Oh, God damn it. You know what I mean, Vern? I probably haven't seen it since I was little, which could make it really entertaining to go back to. Oh, typically. Because I refused to watch that movie for a number of years. (laughs) I, I loved Ernest movies. I watched that one... Like one and a half times. I couldn't get all the way through it the second time. For whatever reason, <laughs> that movie awesome, just touched me off. That's going to be fun and to talk about. It. Yeah, it's important. I would love to rewatch it just to ooh, just to find out what it was. Because I don't even remember what it was now. Huh. But I remember that I... Ooh. It's going to be fun for you to revisit like, it. I'm just saying it right now. It. And like I feel something in the core of me, like chilled. <laughs> <laughs> the child in you. That's pretty awesome, man. This is a big name. Who composed the music for this film? Because it's a big Ooh. name. Yeah, please go into this. I was excited partially for the music that I got to listen to. Yeah, you had mentioned mm-hmm. to me a little while ago. But Charlie Klauser, and for those who aren't familiar with the name Charlie Klauser, he's the OG keyboardist in the band Nine Inch Nails. So with that in mind, he helped compose the score for all of the Saw films, including the new one, of course. He did the show Numbers. He also helped compose music on the movie The Collection, the show Wayward Pines, the film Resident Evil Extinction. So, I mean, he has a wealth of credits underneath his belt. And dude, Hello Zap is dope. Yeah, man. As far as, like, memorable themes go up there, I don't know exactly where I'd rank it. Like, we just had fucking Trent Reznor this week drop that Halloween huge, cover. That was dope. And, I mean, Halloween theme might be at number one. That's a fucking dope theme for me, especially in the horror world. But yeah. Hello Zep is somewhere way up there for me. I would have to really think about it. But part of what this movie did was give us another good theme when we brought up Juanel. Yeah, just a yeah, bit yeah. ago he was also responsible for billy the puppet another icon yeah, established dude. with this film can you believe it was actually james wan who created the whole thing but yeah he definitely helped on at one l it's unbelievable man it's hard to establish these things that are just instant like something locks in and like it's this memorable thing but hello zep is one of those pieces of music that sort of just sticks in you're like it's a fucking dope theme i think plays five times throughout this movie and of course is used as a leitmotif for jigsaw throughout certainly memorable like so once you've seen this film but yeah just the name alone and you know knowing that he worked with nine inch nails and really cool story i wanted to share was i read where nine inch nails toured with david bowie sometime in the mid 90s and 
I guess at the end of their leg of the tour, David Bowie personalized watercolors for each member of Nine Inch Nails and mm-hmm. you know, autographed. So he had mentioned that that was one of his prized collections, you know, for obvious Jesus. reasons, too. Because yeah. it's Bowie. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. If Bowie touched it, I'll just hold it next to me. Yeah, Keep it's, it it'll be super dear <laughs> to the heart. Yeah, man, it's cool that Charlie Clouster was involved with this. And I think he only had three weeks to compose the score for this film. So kudos to him for that as well. Our special effects team on this is Title House Digital. I did have some makeup department people because they're responsible for the actual makeup right. and some of the, uh, the prosthetics. Scott H. Ito, he is the artist, and he did most of the art. I think most of the makeup for uh, Danny Glover, for whatever reasons, but he got responsible for okay. that. And Rocky Faulkner is the person who's responsible for the prosthetics in this film. Well, I mean, I guess Glover had the next scar. Yeah, and I think that's probably where the makeup came in hand. Mm-hmm. Our producers for this film, three gentlemen, Greg Hoffman, Mark Berg, and Oren Cools. Oren Cools actually has a guest appearance in this film during a certain scene, and I'll mention once we get to it. He has a question mark on his belly. Mm-hmm. That should be a dead giveaway, but this is a kind of a cool story real quick, too, about Greg Hoffman you know, being the, one of the producers on the film. Is Had it not been for a chance encounter in L.A. that Juan L. and Juan, and I think some other gentlemen that was watching the short that they had shot, mm-hmm. called in Hoffman as he was getting onto an elevator, just got him in time and asked him to come in and check it out. And the, he said he watched like the first two or three minutes of the short and just blew him away. And that kind of kick-started the Twisted Pictures production company. Okay. And that kind of helped get them off the floor and actually get into a bigger budget so they could film a, a debut feature. But kind of an interesting story of how all that stuff worked out for Juan and one l at the time. Speaking of production companies, Evolution Entertainment, Saw Productions Incorporated, and I mentioned Twisted Pictures. Distributors for this is uh, Lionsgate. They helped with the theatrical release in 2004. And Entertainment Film Distributors for the United Kingdom's 2004 theatrical release. The release date for this initially was January 19th, 2004, the Sundance Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And then, they had to cut it down a little bit in terms of some of the content when they actually released it for the premiere theatrical release in, in October. October. Yeah. So it actually, there was a lot of stuff that kind of had to get trimmed down because okay. it was a little bit more violent at the Sundance Film Festival. But October 29th, 2004 is when it was released here in the States and in our neighbor to the north in Canada. And October 1st in the United Kingdom and in Ireland. So they got it a little bit before we did. The budget was like around a little over a million, 1.2 million estimated. The gross for this, the opening weekend was like a little over 18 million worldwide. Mm-hmm. Though it was like 103 million or some shit like that. Something, Something ungodly for a budget of one, a little over a million. It's funny that they call, I mean, it's an indie film. And the budget, I suppose, is not really large, but uh, substantial enough compared to some of the films we've done in the past. But I think this franchise, if I'm not mistaken, is the highest grossing franchise in horror history. I had some of the stats here on the franchise as a total, and I didn't realize how small of budgets they all worked on. Even Saw 3D had a budget of only $17 million. Yeah, that's nothing compared probably to its return. So total on Saw through Saw 3D, they had spent $64 million. I didn't go looking deep for stats, to be completely okay. honest. So adjusted for 2011 inflation, the year after Saw 3D was out, that means they had spent $67.7 million total on all the films. 
for a return worldwide of nine hundred and fifty three million. That is four hundred ridiculous twenty one thousand. Jesus Murphy, man, that's a huge return, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. So almost a billion dollars in returns. I never realized that they all worked on that little of a budget, especially those later ones. I didn't either, to be honest, to be you know quite frank. But kudos once and again. I mean, that's still millions of more dollars than I'm ever going to see in my lifetime. But <laughs> hand over at fist the same time, like, like I know what some of these movies cost. Like, yeah. fucking Silent Bob Strike Back costs like twenty five million. Yeah, that's pretty. That's wild. more than any of the saws. That's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. When you think about it on that scale, man, it's crazy, dude. Oh yeah, you know what I like about films for our technical notes? I've got a, quite a few uh, taglines okay. I want to mention. All right. So uh, before you get to the taglines, yeah, no, 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 that no. made me think of something. We completely skipped the synopsis again. Well, we totally f- do it. Damn Stoner it. moment. Sorry. Uh, so synopsis. Synopsis before the taglines. If tag you don't line. know what the fuck size, somehow I don't know how. Well, maybe I do know how. Maybe I don't. We can talk about that. Right. This movie caught on big, as evidenced by that fucking worldwide. Dude, yeah. So if you don't know what the fuck Saw is, first off, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> but next, I guess it's... Shame. Two guys caught in a bathroom being forced to answer the question, would you kill somebody to survive? Yeah. Or to save somebody. Yeah. It's a game of survival. Being put through the paces by a new serial killer on the scene. Yeah, which is interesting because... Who's an instant icon. We'll mention too. I don't want to give that away. It's kind of a spoiler, but yes... And, I mean, yeah, I'll dance around the fucking spoiler in this movie, but I feel like that's the best-known thing about this movie at this point. Oh, my gosh. It's another one of Especially this one, because I feel like this one's one of the ones that a lot of people don't go back to as often enough to... They should, probably, especially if you're a fan of the series. But I feel like they're like, well, I know the big twist. That's all I really need to know. No, not really. But, yes. And we'll get more to that. Yeah, there's a lot to it. But, yeah, so that's That's a good brief synopsis. That's the synopsis, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, we'll get into it. All right. So there's two taglines that I like personally. And then I'll mention two that were for two different markets. Anyhow, the first one, you actually kind of mentioned, how much blood would you shed to stay alive? Let the games begin. Okay. And then in the United Kingdom, they had a weird phrasing. (laughs) It says, dare you see saw? It's like yeah. a question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in the Danish, in Denmark. I'm sorry, that's my favorite one. <laughs> death is a shortcut. So those were the two that I had written down. Oh, that's really good. Oh, that's a really good The Danes, one. man, of course. Oh, damn, they killed it. Like, for overall goodness, that's my favorite. But my favorite is Seesaw. Dare you see Saw? Dare you see so? All right. So I got that out of the way, right? That's all of our, or at least my technical notes. Now we can get into the cast, the meat and potatoes. First person I'd like to mention. I was going to say, let, let's do this more as your draw in. Maybe okay. some very bare facts. Yeah. Because okay. yeah, I yeah. have some strong feelings for some of these casts. And I'd like to get I to that too. more in the squeal. We can do that. Real brief. We'll go. Carrie Elvis plays Dr. Lawrence Gordon. Danny Glover is Detective David Tapp. Monica Potter plays Allison Gordon. Michael Emerson is Zepp Hindle. Ken Leung is Detective Stephen Singh. Lee Wanell, which we mentioned earlier, is uh, Adam Faulkner Stainheit. And Shawnee Smith is Amanda. And I don't want to mention the last name that I want to mention because it kind of gives it away. Tobin Bell is John, what's his last name? Do you remember? Kramer. Kramer? John Kramer. Okay. I don't want to mention what his nickname is. Versus Kramer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, John Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> There's a um, 
Diana, do you have the name for her? Because that's the girl who was the daughter in this film. The daughter? Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie, Mackenzie Vega. Okay. So that kind of rounds out the main cast for this film. Of course, we're kind of skipping some of their big credits, but we'll mention that. Yeah, so that's my cast that I've got written down. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything else that I really want to get to right I now. I should give uh, sort of some, a little bit of warnings, hold of back out warnings. I guess warnings. Definitely intense situations. You know, this one's more of a thriller than I think people remember, rather than a straight-up horror. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely some very, like, creepy imagery. Like, there's not much actual, like, violence on screen. Not much. There's blood and gore, but... Very tame. Yeah, surprisingly, when going back to it. I feel like if you watch, like, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead... Oh, this would be a walk in the park. Most major shows these days have done violence and gore worse than this movie, <laughs> so... Speaking of uh, that... We just went through Hannibal. Yeah, we just went through Hannibal. <laughs> yeah. It definitely did worse. So much more intense in terms of its imagery of violence and gore. It's not actually that bad. No, it's not. And that's um, part of what I want to talk about. Like, this movie is very interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, all these years later, it is kind of need to revisit it and see it from a different lens. A very, very, very smoky lens. <laughs> you uh, get that right. Speaking of which, let's start getting to the squealing. I'm really squeal. How does that make you squeal? squealing and dealing that's right we're here still talking about saw okay i kept pointing out i find this movie really interesting because i know both me and you kind of dig on some extreme movies we've covered some pretty fucked up movies on this podcast we have cannibal holocaust i mean really like henry when it comes down to it is a pretty fucked fucked up up movie paul keepsy taste we've mentioned Um, visitor q martyrs martyrs yeah is a pretty high bar there's other shit that we just haven't done yet there's shit that we're probably just not going to cover because we don't necessarily want to have to go so in-depth into it just to fucking talk about it for a couple hours on a podcast. That's like, true. Like the one you were showing me the other day. I can't remember the fucking name. Oh, my God, damn. People always talk about, you know, what's the most sick or disturbing film you've ever seen in horror? And, you know, and I'll say this because we haven't really talked about this film, not that we have to, but a Serbian film gets brought up a lot. And I understand why. I've yeah. seen it, you know, and yeah, it's up there, but... <laughs> Solo. Yeah, Solo. 120 Days of Sodom. Sodom. Cannibal Holocaust gets mentioned a lot. I can understand that. Yeah. There's parts of that, I, as we talked about. Oh, yeah, that are rough to watch. That are rough to watch. But there's a film for me, and I would rank it up there with the sickest of the six, is a film I showed you for a little bit called Slaughtered Vomit Dolls. There, that, that's the name. Yeah, yeah, and as a part of, you know, if this makes you a little squeamish, I mean, we are talking about how does this make a squeal, but it's a part of a vomit gore trilogy by a director named Lucifer Valentine. Of course. Naturally. Without getting too much off on a tangent, that is Look, one I'm of not going to lie, I'm sure nasties. he's a fantastic guy, but <laughs> it sounds like he shops exclusively at Hot Topic. Yeah, it's wild, man. Needless to say, it's one of those films where it's like, it's hard to believe I'm actually watching this, but right. I am. And so what's always interested me about the Saw franchise is that it's been like, they're the extreme films that are, like, mainstream is okay with watching. We mentioned how fucking popular these are. Oh, like, they're huge, yeah. We just like mentioned numbers. The, re- the huge returns they get for how little's put into them, which I'm not saying little's put into them. These people but their asses yeah. off, but... And the fact is, a lot of the later entries in the Saw series are more disgusting than what people usually consider to be extreme films. Oh yeah, I would agree. Maybe not as scary, 
but at least as disgusting. And I think that's part of the bigger appeal, which is, like I said, is a really interesting dynamic when you think of a mainstream audience wanting to see that kind of stuff. But, but it's always, I don't understand it though, because some of the people that will, you know, gladly go watch Saw 3 through 6, which are probably the, get a little oh, bit yeah. more disgusting than some of the other Yeah, they're ones. more creative in what, how they, you know, pull off things. They'll gladly watch it, rewatch it, whatever. You suggested them a movie from like the French extremists. Oh, yeah. Still fucked up, still disgusting, different kinds of disgusting, but they don't want to go anywhere near it. But they're still kind of on the same level when it comes to disgustingness. Yeah, I mean, there's where do you draw the line, you know, of, of how extreme extreme is for you? It is interesting because in my view, too, like you said, after a certain amount of the Saw films, you're right. Like, man, if people can stomach this in terms or of a U.S. audience. Same time period, audience, yeah. like the Hostel Hostels films as yeah. well. Because that's the other thing. They we finally get too. to say, I think we've mentioned it before especially during the martyrs episode actually but torture porn yeah exactly this is what made torture porn a household word and not so much anymore though no 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 no. we no, learned but... this at work talking about torture porn yeah and, in the and, back room and people and started wondering what we were talking about and we had to kind of explain like no no no, no. this is like splatter film what torture porn sounds like when you just put those words together would oh, actually be like extreme gosh. bdsm yeah, it sounds like you're really into some heavy fetish material for your fap session. Right. Gorn. <laughs> yeah. Gorn on the 4th of July. <laughs> Saw frequently is heralded as sort of like touching that off in a big bad way in the early 2000s. You know, it certainly was when I think about it in that time frame. Now, here's the thing. Upon rewatching, it suffers from the same problem or not the same problem, but the same reputation problems as the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm, good point. This first one isn't that bad. It's really not. It was kind of boring. <laughs> especially, I mean, we are in the squeal section, We're in section, the squeal right? section, yeah. right? Uh, especially knowing the twist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, gosh, man. Which made me kind of sad, because I loved this movie. I remember going and seeing it in the theaters. Yeah. I remember where I sat in the theater and where I saw this. I remember, like walking home in the dark because like it would have been fucking cold out i was like all bundled up walking fucking having to like not slip and shit because although it was released in october my shitty local theater tended to get new movies two months later okay i gotcha because they only had one screen that only showed three nights a week one showing <laughs> damn <laughs> you either catch it or you don't yep you either catch it or you don't Usually get new movies two months later. It depends on how well they were doing. Saw did well enough that it came. No um, doubt. Me too. Went and saw it. Blew my fucking mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, my, like, I guess I would have been, like, shit, I didn't do the math. Like, 16, 17, something like that. Yeah, I think I was, let's see, 2004. I was 22 on the verge of being 23 at that time. And that twist came up at the end, and I was like, oh! Like, the entire way home, and, like, I went home talk to friends about it yeah. and shit like it, it was, was a, a topic big deal it was a big deal and immediately like people fucking people knew like jigsaw fucking billy maybe didn't know the puppet's name was billy but right exactly that, that you knew image the puppet. was there that image was there then but eh. <laughs> you know here's the cool thing that i know we want to no, talk I still about really like it though but. no i enjoyed this film a lot you know you mentioned you saw in the theater i saw it in the theater you know at the time i was dating 
you know, really cool chick. So we decided on two different films. Honestly, I can't remember what the fucking film was that we were possibly going to see. Mm-hmm. But we kind of came to a, I guess, a resolution like, all right, I'm going to put a coin behind my back. If you pick the coin, you'll, we'll see your film. If not, we're going to check out Saw. And say you, you flipped a two-headed quarter. Oh, I didn't even have any coins behind my back. That was the trick. <laughs> no, but honestly, in earnest, we went and seen Saw because she didn't get the right hand. You dared to see Saw? Did you dare? Yeah, and the cool thing about it, it's, it's kind of stereotypical. You know, it was kind of cool, too. I don't under date, but as tame as it, it seems now compared to all the stuff that we had mentioned before, at that time, it was like, I, I remember people tensing up and... You know, they're like gasps and... I mean, it has some intense moments, but... Maybe under the critical eye, not so much. Well, see, so... But it's memorable for me because of that time period, too, you know? My disappointment with it might be partially in one of the cast members. Um, I think I might know who you're going to talk about. I hope I do. We skipped over the cast for a very good reason. Carrie Elwes. Oh, yes. That's what I was thinking. I was going to say CE. So, I... We all I love mean, them, I mean, I mean, well, here's the thing, man. Like, I sit here, we talk about horror movies. I mean, we sit here and talk about fucked up horror movies, as we already mentioned. Like, week in and week out. Like, we back off sometimes, but, like, I'm super excited for whenever we get to, like, Bone Tomahawk, because all I keep hearing about it's is how it's fucking, fucking awesome. gory and yeah, shit. And we love gore. We love story. We love all this stuff. We love man. all this stuff. But my number one favorite movie of all time, I could watch... I've already watched way too many times in a row. <laughs> right. Is the Princess Bride? Man, that movie's fucking. That's my number one favorite awesome. movie of all time. I can, if I was stuck with a movie, yeah, on a desert island, one hundred percent, I would pick that because I know that I could watch it on a loop. It's one of those films too. It's almost perfect. I absolutely consider it to be like the closest thing that's ever been made to a perfect film. Just so many equal parts, like yeah. action, comedy, romance. It has it all. It has a little bit of it all. Even has... Andre the Giant. Yeah, you have Andre the Giant, Fred Savage. And Carrie Elwes. Yeah, dude. And my memories of this movie were like being so excited to see him on screen when I was, you know, when I watched it in the theaters, and that's part of what I carried with me. Like, oh my god, he was in such a fucked up situation, and holy fuck, he fucking cut off his fucking foot, and yeah, oh my god, how fucked moments. up is that? And and even upon rewatching later on, like, I know that I rewatched it a few times, like in college and shit, and being like, oh god, uh, fucking Wesley cut off his goddamn foot, like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, then we had to sit down for this. And I had to sort of think about what I was going to say about this when I was going to talk to yeah, all I'm these fine curious. people out here on the internet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he didn't do good. All right. I'm glad you were saying this because I kind of felt that way too. Yeah. We like to, so we all love Carrie Elwes, Princess Bride, you know, Robin Hood, Men in yeah. Tights, Days of Thunder. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But I'm a liar, liar. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if he's such a You're good cast scared of the claw or, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was funny man but yeah i mean there was moments here where i was like oh this is kind of bad but rising's shining star throughout all of it yeah well, Wanell is fucking brilliant he does a great job man as his, his comedy is amazing yeah his, He's his got sarcasticness his little oh my god his snarkiness with some of his replies to him yeah Dude was the shining star of this fucking flick. He was on fire. 
shining bright star for this. You know, that's a good point too. When you look at the cast, we know that he's a writer. You know, of course, he's a producer and director now, but it's odd for somebody to come in like that who's not a known actor to fucking crush it. Yeah, so this movie's more of a thriller. I did feel like it's it's not torture. It's kind of like a crime thriller. From here on out, it starts to go more and more that way. Well, yeah, two's got some kind of uncomfortable scenes, in my opinion, like three, four, five. Yeah, and of course, like we know, like yeah, like the ground up pigs and oh, dude, there's so many, so many and beyond traps, right? mm -hmm. Yeah, they're fucking awesome. But you're right, it gets so much gorier. But this one, no, most of the there's off screen. Yeah, a couple concepts, you know, that you get introduced to. And that kind of surprised me, because I realized that, even in my own head, my memories of it were, as of it being a lot worse than it was. Yeah. I mean, looking on it now, yeah. It totally feels that way after seeing so many films. Also, I never realized it was such a low-budget movie before. In my head, I was like, well, (laughs) Carrie Elwes was in the greatest movie of all time, so of course he cost a million dollars. Yeah, (laughs) And then we have Danny fucking Glover. Yeah. Come on, dude. I'm glad we're bringing him up, too, because I want to mention a film real quick. It's probably not a film a lot of people conjure up when you first think of Danny Glover, because there's so many films you can attach to him, but... Angels in the Outfield's Danny Glover? Yes. I love that film, but I want to go back even further than that. As far as I can remember, as memory serves Uh, me well... Predator 2's Danny Glover? Further than that. This might have been the first film I can recall seeing in the theater. Color Purple's Danny Glover? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That one. That was the first film I can remember actually seeing in a theater because my grandmother was a big Whoopi Goldberg fan. So that was my introduction to Danny Glover. See, for me, it always it's always been getting too old for this shit. Danny well, of Glover. course. Everybody knows that. Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Goddamn Murtaugh. Yeah, exactly, man. And we were... T- <laughs> oh, this is going to be funny. I'm going to say it anyway. I don't give a shit. We were talking about... There was a slip of tongue where we talked about uh, scumbag Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Lethal Weapon. That Danny Glover. Angels in the Outfit, like he had mentioned. I mean, there's so many film credits that he's attached to, man. Gone Fishing? Gone Fishing, man. I mean, I can start... I can keep just naming off random shit from his Wikipedia page. No, oh, here's no I have seen everything I've named off. Here's one I do want to mention, because it doesn't get brought up enough. It's kind of a... Uh, it's kind of a, a tearjerker. Is the Saint of Fort Washington. That film was really fucking good. Really oh, I know, good. I never saw that. Okay. Yeah. Be Kind Rewind, actually. It has Most Deaf and Jack Black. That's actually a really good film. Shooter is another film I got written down with the Mocky Mock and the Funky Bunch. Now, while we're talking about the cast, let's also bring up the fact that we got Shawnee Smith in this. Yeah. So I really enjoyed Becker. I never did really get into Becker. I mean, I liked Ted Danson, but I never watched that show. I really liked Becker. I'm continuing my love of Ted Danson by the fact that I've been keeping caught up on The Good Place, which is amazing. But he's amazing. I mean, I was always like, cool, Shawnee Smith, like, that makes me happy. She obviously ends up playing a much bigger part in this series. Oh, much further. here on out. I mean, do we want to go into spoilers for other movies? Because they don't get into that in this one. Yeah, I mean, it's she's a side character that turns out to be a huge character later on in the franchise. Before we mention... I feel now at this point that we're almost obligated to cover another one further in the franchise that actually is fucked up, because, Mm -hmm. like, there was parts of this movie where I just... Like got out my phone. I mean, it's easy to do with this one. You're not going to miss a whole lot. No, a lot of conversation at, at best. Yeah, I feel bad though because saying about how many parts this movie bored me because I really did enjoy it. Like I even had to write down like these things that I maybe is why it caught on in such a big way. Like the things that it did so absolutely like right. 
and it's like it's a very personal feeling story like most yeah. of it's centered in that room with the two characters almost everything somehow connected to them except for the flashback to the, the other couple jigsaw members. oh yeah 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 good point but you all the exposition is done through their memories and flashbacks as they're just in that room with each other, and it makes it all feel very personal and contained. Which well, yeah, really it neat. gives them great backstories. You feel more attached to these characters and what they are stacked up against, too. It becomes very personable. And there was a part of this movie, now being older, rewatching Critical Eye and everything that stood out to me, that they did very well. And it's what keeps you engaged in the movie at the time, even though it's not what people talk about later on. And I think that's what the thing that this movie did well is that it gave you both things. And the thing that people talk about later on, we already touched on with like the traps. Like yeah, people exactly. always talk about like, oh, the fucking, oh, how crazy, the fucking reverse bear trap. And it's just dope. I mean, don't get me wrong, but you're right. That's some of the more memorable things that people remember about these films. The thing that actually keeps you engrossed in the movie and that builds the suspense is an amazing horror scene. It's straight like Hills Have Eyes when Zepp's in with the family. Oh, yeah. And it's fucking terrifying. We had mentioned this director a few times, Argento, because he's a huge inspiration for a couple of things portrayed in this film. One of them, you mentioning Zepp, is when you watch it with a closer eye, he has those black gloves on, and you kind of see it from his perspective. Argento uses that a lot in his films from the 70s, when he's doing the, from the shot of the killer, more mm-hmm. of a POV shot. And he likes to use a black glove. And it's usually his glove that he's doing. So there's a little bit of that. And the second one, you talked about Billy the Puppet. There's a film called Deep Red that uses a puppet coming out on a trike like Billy does. shit. And it's fucking spooky. It's like, what the fuck is this? Billy's spooky. Yes. And it talks to you. And you're like, what the fuck? And I don't know how they did it so well. But Billy is spooky. The character of Jigsaw is absolutely intriguing. Yeah. And all of his motives behind trying to make these people turn their lives around, basically, by putting them through a life-or-death situation. Yeah. That absolutely caught on with people and immediately established an icon. So from that time period, you got, like, obviously the old slashers. Then you end up with, like, Ghostface in 96. Right. And then... This? Mm. I mean, between that, you got Blair Witch, but you didn't see a fucking witch. Yeah, it's Spoiler, not like a, sorry, yeah. but you'll see a fucking witch. I mean, it's a, yeah, it was a huge event, but it's not like a figure. Right, to latch precisely, to. yeah. Kind of the creeper, maybe? Yeah, Jeepers, a little bit. A little bit, but not nearly to the extent. No, not as, like this. No, but fucking, that's, people know, Jigsaw, fucking, I mean, the new movie is Jigsaw. <laughs> yeah. Which I think was the working title for this film originally. Mm-hmm. But the fucking yeah, saw dude. piece, the fucking and Billy the puppet. Yeah, there's so many different things you can attach to it. Like you said, that makes this franchise in this film what it is. But ooh, Danny Glover once again too old for this shit, and a bit fucking psycho. He does lose it, man, and I liked it. I liked it because it was like I know where this is going because of course we've seen it, but it didn't really give you too much detail. I mean, we know why. But you don't get to see in the in between that breaking point. But anyway, it is kind of interesting. He plays two dual roles, I suppose, in this film. Monica Parter is one I want to talk about too, because she plays the wife, Allison Gordon, in this oh, film. Okay. And the reason I want to mention her too, because I remember watching her in some films. She's more of a dramatic actress. And let's just say it's like I understand the appeal 
of a lot of these actors and actresses because they're really good in their field. But I don't know if they're always miscast, you know, because I felt like she was all right. <laughs> Wait, this was the wife, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I like her oh a lot in a lot God. of films. She's in Patch what, Adams. I, I really didn't take too many notes for this movie. You I can see exactly right here. Is, yeah. Partially because I had seen this movie enough times that I knew I could talk about certain aspects of it. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I had to make a note of, because I fucking just started laughing really hard. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, the irony of the flatness of the wife's line. <laughs> I wish you'd break down and tell me you hated me. At least then show some passion. I <laughs> know, right? She was cutting deep in this film. <laughs> but nothing. Like, yeah, she pretty was... much, it was like a line reading. That's what I'm getting at. It's like, I've oh, seen her in some films. Irony. Yeah, I've seen her in plenty of films where she puts out, you know, strong performances. This, not so much. Like we mentioned, Carrie Elwes, not so much. Danny Glover, mm. also, And it's not knocking this film, it's just, This know. might be nitpicking. At this point, I've given up trying to go through this movie in order, because we've already talked about <laughs> no, I mean, so we, many yeah. different parts of this movie. But the other thing that stood out to me, having to watch this movie with a critical eye, yeah, yeah. is in this movie, two times... <laughs> The solution to something is just turning up the volume. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> it's funny. And in man. fact, it would have been the solution a third time if Zepp could have just turned up the volume. Oh, it would have cut out the whole last sequence of the film, basically. It's like, what the fuck, man? But you're right. It's... There's two times all you had to do was turn it up a little bit louder. Yeah. There's what your solution. That? Yeah. Oh, oh okay, oh, okay. Cool. Oh, sorry. Okay. We got that. Yeah, it's weird, man. Yeah, it, <laughs> trying to think, man. Like, it's like I, I really like this film, but the way we're doing this is like, man, it makes it sound like this film sucks, but it doesn't. It doesn't. No, it's a really good, that, and that's the thing. Like, I kind of want to dance around it because I, I want people to go watch this, especially because it's on Netflix right now. Right. So it's really easy to go watch, and there's a really good reason why it touched off the franchise. I feel like there's a good reason it's remembered as a torture porn, even though it isn't, and it's because that's how effective they are at selling it to you. Yeah. The sound effect, the Foley work on this is amazing. It completely sells it to you because a lot of the times that's all you're getting. The action's happening off screen. At most, you might be getting some blood flying into the screen, but you're hearing everything that's going on. And it's all this just tied in work where you're seeing people's reactions. And Carrie Elvis, who we <laughs> both mentioned didn't yeah, do great dude. in this movie. Mm, no is at his best in this movie when his character is under the most stress. When he's breaking down crying, he sells it. Mm -hmm. When he's super into that part of it, he sells it. I like when he rages. That was the best part. When he's transitioning oh. between those, I did catch his accent slipping like two or three times. Yeah, you can definitely hear it. I mean, we know. I mean, he doesn't slip much. I'll give him that, but... And maybe I was just ready for it. I mean, I just spent a portion of my weekend watching an entire season of Misfits with my girlfriend. Nice. Like, so I'd already been listening to a shit ton of British shit and grew up watching, you know, Blackout or fucking... But I definitely caught it slipping a couple times. I'm like, come on, man. Come, <laughs> come on, on, Carrie. Come on, Carrie. Give us, give us something because right now you're really not giving it to me. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. All right. I'm going to bash one more thing about him, but then I'm going to bring up a lot of good points, too, because it balances out a little bit. No, I feel really bad, dude. No, no, no. And, I mean, anywho, I'm going to say it anyway. There are parts, man, where some of those dramatic scenes, I'm like, mm, dude, he's just like, I'm not feeling it. Like, where he's trying to, like, kind of calling out to his wife when he's crawling on the floor, and he gets real pale towards oh, the yeah. end. And I'm like, no, man. 
Because Lee is keeping it together. He seemed to get pale before he should have been getting pale about anything. Yeah, it was also. weird. There was moments that was just like, hmm, this is a little hard. With a critical eye. And that's kind so, of what So here's the thing. With a critical eye, you might think way early in the movie, they set it up to be mirrored later with Lawrence telling Adam to use his shirt to get... He needed to get the uh, tape player. Uh, the tape player. Exactly. Oh my god, this would have been perfect mirroring to actually do the situation right. Maybe it's because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Maybe that's what they were trying to show. So, to the tape player, something to listen to. Yeah. To start off the situation, Adam has to use his shirt to get it. At the very end, the entire ending would have played out differently <laughs> if Lawrence would have just used his goddamn shirt he had to get the on. phone. Yeah. And I he started was the screaming one, at the TV. Yeah, he suggested to Adam... Use your fucking shirt. Thank you. I'm like... And it's funny, because he was I can't. <laughs> He's doing all that. Like, come on, ma'am. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Please, just... Uh, how... Yeah. Uh, how Adam, at the end, lets Jigsaw get to Zepp's gun before him, I'll never know. Because he was pretty much laid down right next to it yeah. with where Zepp dropped it in their struggle. By the way, with that gun, he gets out of there. He does. Guaranteed. I'm sure he can shoot through the fucking padlock. On I that. would hope so. That was the one thing that seemed to be kind of cheap was the actual padlock. I think he could fuck yeah. it up enough that he'd be able to get out of there. Yeah. Also, the problem is that Jigsaw did turn the lights out on his way out, but I'm pretty sure with where he threw the gun, he could still be able to find it. Yeah. I mean, He'd on. still be able to reach it, even on his chain. There's some things, man. It's like, mm. All right. What I do like about this a lot is some of those scenes played out. Like, you're understanding the concept behind this person. He's not a killer, which is, I mean, spoilers, yeah. He doesn't kill anybody, the Jigsaw. He right. sets people up in positions to either survive it's through proxy more than anything oh and that's dope you know what the flashbacks is the coolest fucking they're thing. fucking good here's something interesting about all those crime scene photos james wan didn't have enough footage really to complete certain scenes so the um still photographer for this film they shot those still photographs and turned them into crime scene photographs a lot of the shots for the majority of this film are interior shots mm-hmm. more so than exterior because they didn't have the budget for exterior a lot of the exterior shots so a lot of them are the still photographs and so those are the things that i still but they're fucking dope. i still really like from this movie it's always etched in my brain like they cut so deep that they found traces of stomach acid on the that's floor. awesome you're like ooh, but you don't see it you hear it like you were talking about it's more of an audible personal like the, the 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 sped up thrashing is really disturbing too. too. I, the reverse bear trap, yeah, is fucking. It's huge. Brilliant idea, and having finding out the guys alive and all of that is so good. And that's who I wanted to mention too. When Shawnee Smith's character Amanda, we learned you know how she got out of the trap and all that stuff. But how she got out of it, and the person she had to use was actually one of the producers of this film. So that was kind of cool. That he you know he was basically just laying there, but. <laughs> Oh, and, she had to do what she had know. to do. Maybe it's just I grew up like a hunter and I've had to process my own game before. Mm-hmm. But that guy wouldn't have had a chance for the meds to wear off. If they tell me he's dead and the key's in the stomach, I'm in the stomach pretty easy. <laughs> like, <laughs> no problem. In him, he's dead? Cool. Whatever. I mean, at a certain <laughs> point, it's like if it's a medical fact, <laughs> I mean, you got to do what you got to do. She waited around too long. I think that was the problem. Yeah, she was panicking a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Now I can understand the panic. Though. Well, of course. Yeah. It's... That being said, also upon rewatch, there was like three more things that fucking bugged me. It's okay. Otherwise, I did really like this movie. I hated that Adam was fucked from the beginning with the goddamn key just going down the fucking drain. <sighs> I mean, knowing that it is the key, but at first, you're like, what the fuck is this glowing? It looks like an amulet or a charm of some sort. But no, it's the fucking key. And because he freaks out when he wakes up out of the tub, <laughs> he's fucked from the get-go. Which also made me think, like, Jigsaw fucked up on this one. Because part of the idea behind Jigsaw's plan was to drive the tension between them to the point where they're about to kill each other. Not necessarily decide to cut off their fucking legs. That would still help solve his plan, but it seemed like everything was to try to get one to kill the other. And that was the true winner. Exactly. It was, like I said, a game of survival. How far will you go And so making it so easy for him to lose his chance to even get at Lawrence seemed like a big failure. Yeah. In my eyes. I, you know... (laughs) This is a more of like a what if situation, but I wonder too, like, damn, I don't know if I want to mention it quite yet, the twist. I mean, okay, I mean, we're in the spoiler section anyway. We've yeah. gone through a little bit over an hour of the show right now. Okay. Uh, we'll go five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so what I wanted to mention was I was wondering if during this whole conversation between Lawrence and Adam, I was like, I wonder if the dead guy on the floor is hearing all this shit. I mean, not dead, but... <laughs> I was like, he's probably like, oh, fuck. I'm fucking up. Right? <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> so he does. He has to improvise. He has certain things to his advantage, of course. Some outside help, some inside help, which is kind of neat. But that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, I wonder how much of that he was thinking, like processing Dude, and improvising, too. If you've I'm never seen it... In there. If you've never seen it, the fucking twist works so fucking well. Oh, I it's still great. remember that it's that first great. time in it's theaters. Great. Like, it was a complete mind fuck. Throughout the film, too, I mean, yeah, you see the person on the ground, and then it becomes kind of an afterthought. I mean, I it feel like pops I kept, up in scenes. I kept looking for it because I've heard somewhere that you can see them, and I feel like there's a tip off that he left that there's some spent cartridges on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Or a spent cartridge on the ground, but he's holding a revolver. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that. It's just like, I mean, you don't really anticipate that. You know, you're just figuring, okay, this is just another casualty, and they're just so caught up in this fucked up room. Once again, still understandable, though. Yeah, of course, of course, naturally. Um, Once we find out the reason why he stayed in the room. I'm also kind of like, at the same time, I'm almost like, uh, how long it takes them both to remember how, I mean, sure, the chloroform or whatever was used to actually put them out, put them out, didn't help, but... yeah. The fact that it took them both, like, a good bit of time to be like, oh, shit, that's how I got took down by some I don't remember. F- freak of... I remember completely. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's There are those, like, well, how the fuck did I get here? Who- once again, those moments are also done well. I yeah, love yeah. the, the Adam... Flashback scenes are good. Oh, the Adam with the fucking Flash is great. That is really spooky and intense, and it worked well. And we learn a big story, what he was up to and what photographs he was developing. I'm going to condense, because they both happen at almost the exact same time. So I'm going to condense my other two complaints into one. That's okay. And it's not a big complaint. It's just a nitpicky complaint. It's something I noticed upon knowing that it was a low-budget film. And it was the (laughs) pretty obvious, once you know to look for it, cheats at the last scene after Carrie Elwes ties off his foot very down close, which I believe you're supposed to do as close as you can to where you 
intend to cut it off at. Right, right. So he does that right, but, you know, he cuts it down close, and he does it with his entire fucking shirt that he should have just used to get the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that he wouldn't have had to cut off his fucking foot in the he first place. He has enough sense to use the shirt as a tourniquet, but he can't use it to fucking reach the phone. Damn. But once it's cut off, they mostly frame it so his leg is just barely cut off out of frame. But the, because of all the action that's going on, they can't keep it that way. Yeah. And the 40% of the time it is in frame, you can very much see that it's just like a fake blood-soaked shirt. Yeah, he's covering up. Covering up his fucking foot. <laughs> There's very stump. much like a fucking foot under yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, you can see his foot moving. The other thing is, at that same time, he shoots at him in the shoulder. You see where the exit wound is, because as he starts leaning <laughs> forward, yeah. after he fucking beats Zep's head in, you can see that the exit wound is just blood smeared on his back and a hole in his shirt. <laughs> Goddamn. Yeah, there are, are some continuity errors. And, like, I, I've seen some stuff, too, they talk about, like, when he's holding his wound, his hand's covered in blood, and then, like, in the next shot, it doesn't have any blood on that hand. It's like, you know, I mean, it is low budget. There's some weird stuff that happens, of course, but I know what you're talking about. Now, the thing is, in this movie, that I think, other than, like I said, looking back now, the the family scene scared me. I think we both, neither of us are really actually that scared of horror movies. No, no, um, not necessarily. The thing, though, I remember being most shocked by when I was little and still had kind of that same attitude was the suddenness of how Detective Singh, Ken Leong? Yeah. The suddenness of how he's taken out was the most shocking sure. thing yeah, that was, for me in this That's movie, really I intense. That's re- I like that. The shotgun trap, which is the only true trap. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, oh yeah, booby trap. <laughs> yeah, booby trap. I wonder if that's a Goonies reference too for Dada cuz he was Asian. Anyways, but also looking back on <laughs> okay. it, the fakeness of the blood splatter was ridiculous. Well, <laughs> debut I was like, film. Oh guys. shit, syrup. <laughs> yeah, mm, tasty. But you're right. I mean, but it's for those who don't know, I mean, it is a shocking kind of Sudden death. It's a violent death on top of it. Very violent. Once again, though, occurs off screen for the most part. You just see the blood splattering down. And then, like two shots later is when you actually see the fucking head body. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, you don't necessarily witness that. Which you probably would in some of the later installments. Yes. Very highly likely it would have been in there no problem. Now, also looking back on how this was remembered as a torture porn and came out the year before... Do you think Hostel would have been as well received without this warming up for it? Because that is also strangely well received for how fucked up of a movie it is. Oh, that's another one I'd seen in the theater as well. You know, that, that's that a good one question. I actually went and saw in the theater, and I remember not really liking it at first. I like it more now than I did then. Oh no, because I, I felt like it was. I felt like it was. <laughs> at the time, I felt like it was kind of pointless. Like it was just fucking paid money just to go watch these people get fucking tortured. Like, yeah. Oh, well, for me, I knew what I was getting myself into, and that was the whole point for me. <laughs> See, you know, that's and that's fine. the thing. Now, I... But without the Forerunner, I don't know if it would have been accessible. I don't even know if it would have got a theater release had it not been for Saw. I don't think it would have, be honest. Had Hostel come out before, I don't think it would have had it nearly is... the success. I mean, I remember the first Hostel in much more vivid detail than I would have remembered this one. Mm-hmm. And there's some pretty fucked up scenes. Oh, no doubt. That go far beyond what is shown in this movie. But oh, this yeah. is remembered as the torture porn. 
That's a great. Well, point, I mean, man. obviously, hostile is as well, but you those. Know. I mean, because that was what two thousand four, two thousand five. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I want to say yeah, successive years. But knowing that too, because I can't think of a precursor to Saw that was accessible the way Saw is accessible. Right. I mean, now people bring up what would there be that was sort of the equivalent of these? I guess. I think it's the next mm. thing. I mean, you know, you had that wave of the French right. extremism, but that was after all of this stuff. Right, because Martyrs even was 2006. God, I no later than that, right? I want to say like seven or eight. Yeah, which, by the way, I highly recommend Martyrs over oh, most of these God, other movies yes. because. I mean, once you're honestly, this I, I feel like it almost. It, I think it almost helps to have watched Hostel and most of the Saws before watching Martyrs, because then you realize the commentary that Martyrs brings oh, to torture gosh. porn. Yeah, yeah. it's not just <clears throat> for shock's value. It has a deeper, deeper meaning. It's like, But it is very much like the intellectual version of these movies. Yeah, so I'm getting at it. It's still a torture porn, but it's highly intellectual. This one, though, I mean, there's a very awesome, very good reasons why it touched off such a big franchise, why it holds some sort of esteem for people. Like, they keep yeah. turning up in droves to fucking watch these movies. And that's the thing that really, I mean, not that it blows my mind, but I'm thinking the same things, too. It's like, this is considered, you know, okay. kind of... Yeah, it's okay, but it's also, like, hardcore film, I suppose. It would get labeled as that for, I guess, just for the casual viewer. But for me, it's like, not really. I mean, yeah, later on, but not really. Right, it's like the mainstream version of like the French extremist shit. Yeah, this is like your one-on-one into that kind of stuff, I suppose. But at the same time, the later ones, at least, content-wise, they're up there. Oh, they'll fit the bill. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's a good question, though, to think about as far as how accessible had these later films have been had they come earlier, you know, mm-hmm. a precursor to Saw. I just don't feel like they would have been... Human Centipede, even, years later. Oh, yeah. Shit. Literally. I even feel without Saw, it would have been like these other ones that we talk about, like fucking Slaughter Vomit Dolls, where it's oh, just yeah. super underground. It'd be almost like a snuff film at a point. Yeah. A video nasty. Now these are more mainstream. Even a Serbian film is becoming more mainstream, which is Yeah, people know up. about it. Yeah. It's not a an underground film anymore. It's, yeah. I mean, which people know about these the, fucked up films. For the subject matter. Yeah. For lots of reasons. There are a couple of gems that I still like because they're not as accessible. Not necessarily <laughs> slaughtered vomit dolls. There's some gems. Not necessarily that they're underground, but they're well-known in more tighter groups. So I guess what I'm getting at is if you're one of these people that are comfortable with watching the Saw movies, oh, man, yeah. don't be afraid to branch out because you've already seen, even though these other movies are labeled as extreme and Saw isn't, Saw fits the bill. So don't be afraid to go check out some of these other movies because they're going to blow your mind because they're fucking great. Yeah, you know, that's a good point, too, when you think about how you kind of mentioned going into this film, how like parts of it were kind of, kind of you know, snooze fests. Mm-hmm. So if you feel the same way, that would be maybe even more of a kind of a, your introduction to like something a little bit more extreme, something a little bit more catch your attention. If you can handle the Saw movies, oh. go check out... God, what did we just else notice was on Netflix? Raw. Oh, yes. Fuck yes. Raw, Raw is, is being labeled Raw is being labeled as a super extreme movie. Yeah. It keeps coming up in lists, clickbait lists that I can't help but click oh, across funny. the internet as being a super extreme movie and it does deal with like cannibalism and there are intense scenes. Mm-hmm. But 
The later saws are all more extreme than Raw is. Raw is more emotionally intense than anything. And it's done super, super well. But I feel like a lot of people are put off by the extreme title, not realizing they've already seen things that are worse. Yeah, it's a broad term that a lot of films get put underneath that brush stroke, you know? And it's... And that's one of the best movies I've seen this year. I highly recommend that film. And when we both learned that it was on Netflix, I was like, fuck yes. So yeah, go watch that one. It's not extreme in like the snuff, torture porn. There's so much worse out there in terms of its, you know, like visual content, I suppose. Yeah. We keep bringing up Martyrs. Dude, I've latched on hard to that movie movie ever since you showed it to me. (laughs) Fuck yeah. If you can handle the Saw movies, you can handle Martyrs. Yeah, without a doubt, man. But... It requires a little bit more. That's the only yeah. thing. Is Like we said, this is mainstream. It is pared down in a way to appeal to a wider audience. Yeah. Those ones are going to make you think a little bit more, but that's not a bad thing. No. I do like how certain films like these can be introductions into other films. Like we had mentioned, that can get you a little bit more in depth. I hate to use if the word stepping stone, but Saw, they kind of are. If you can handle Saw 3 on or Hostel oh. 2 on then immediately go watch, like, Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, yeah. Because you can absolutely handle all the... That's another one, though. You hear the word extreme, and you think, oh, this is going to be fucking... And it's not not really. Not really. I mean, it is, but not really. Yeah. If you've already seen those other shit, you can handle that as well. Yeah. And that's the thing now. It's like, after seeing a certain amount of content, I'm like, not only how far do I want to go, but do I necessarily need to go that far in that direction, you know? Mm-hmm. In order to just say, oh, I've seen this fucked up crazy film. Which I can probably say, SVD. I don't really recommend that film for people. But if you want no, to see something, me I really don't. <laughs> God damn. It's one of those, though. I hope it doesn't become mainstream, not for any reasons against the people who are involved with the film, but just for the reason, like, this is not... A film that a lot of people should be watching. For those who are really... You have to have a sane mind to watch Who really have a hard time getting it up to anything else. Gosh, that one's, <laughs> for me, that's a hard one to compare to any other film that I've seen. It really is. And I mean, we're going to eventually get into some other extreme movies that we can also then point out. Like, believe me, you've probably actually seen things, at least Star of extreme, yeah. in the mainstream. It is. It's just it's that... Unique how certain things are accessible and how certain things are acceptable mm-hmm. as well. That's where I have a, a hard time like understanding people's ideas of what is extreme and what's not extreme. It's like, you've seen worse shit than what we're mentioning right now. Far worse, but you won't admit it. And everybody go watch Brain Dead. Oh my gosh, yes. Brain Dead? Dead Alive. Dead Alive. Dude. <laughs> fuck yes. <laughs> that, and everybody movie. go watch Brain Dead. Oh, man. While we're talking about extreme... Possibly one of the bloodiest one movies of, the of all time. One of the glorious films I've ever seen. But when I think about it, it's like, it's not really that bad. But it's comedy. Yeah, I love it. It's one of my all-time favorites. Saw, we're chirping. It's okay, I, mean, it's, I think what's good, we're, yeah. that's how good this movie is, is it makes us talk about this shit. Well, yeah, I mean, think about that. It's one of those placeholders where you can branch off in so many different directions if you're willing to take that next step. For all the things that we bitched about it in this episode... I don't know. I really do like this film. I like this film. And I guess the point I've been getting at overall is that it's kind of like a seed that grew that Mm -hmm. really influenced what we're watching these days. Oh, without a doubt. You know, that's a good point. You know, and I know we harken back on certain time periods. But for me coming back, like I said, from New York, working, you know, for months at a time, and then kind of getting into that niche again where I'm watching horror films... 
And this is one of those that got me into watching Hostel and all these other films we just mentioned. So for that sake, it was a huge step for me in, in a progression of film watching. That's the thing. When I was fucking whatever I said I was, 16, 17, when this movie came out, I wasn't watching like Hannibal Holocaust and shit yet. Yeah. I wasn't watching, I mean, I, Dead Alive, but... Yeah. There were certain films like I said I was aware of. I had any of the French extremists. Right. Like fucking, it'd be years before like Solo would come out or any of those other shits. Yeah. But I was able to see this. I was able to see Hostel the very next yeah. year. And I knew what I could see on film. I knew what I could handle. Yeah, exactly. You knew what your threshold might be at a certain point, you know, up that ladder. And I kind of feel the same way. Like, you know, there's certain thresholds that I don't know if I want to cross necessarily. You know, like how far down that rabbit hole do I want to go? <laughs> I know how far I can get, but I don't know if I want to go down that hole. It's a good movie. Yeah. I there, guess that's what we're getting here, at. This here's is a good movie. Go watch this movie. <laughs> here's something I want to mention before we sign off on this film. One scene in particular. It's kind of important on how this story actually was developed for film. There is a scene where the little girl, Diana, right, where she thinks there's a, a man in the room, right? Which eventually there is. So the story goes as this. There was an actual person who was caught breaking into homes. And when questioned by authorities, he said that he was sent a jigsaw with instructions to go into homes, specifically in children's rooms, and tickle their feet in their sleep. James Wan had read that story while he was, I think, in his freshman year in college. And he said the thought of somebody sneaking into your home is already one of those, your sense of security is gone, no comfort. And like we already pointed out, that's one of the things that worked for me in this. Like I said, that was Hills Have Eyes. That yeah. was part of Henry. Yeah. It's even part of fucking Clockwork Orange. Uh, yes, in a big bad way. Mm -hmm. So, But I thought it was funny how they incorporated a certain scene with Carrie Elwes and his daughter where he finishes his work and then he's like reassuring her that there's no bad guys. And then he does a little piggies thing with her feet. And that's the whole reason that this film was made in the first place. Now here's something that's really fucking spooky. After this film had been released and was doing well in the theaters, Lee Wanell and James Wan received a piece of mail from I think one of their agents or it could have been a studio head anyhow. It contained a jigsaw drawing on the front of the envelope and inside they had mentioned like it said Dear friends, and everything wasn't punctuated, didn't have any punctuations, mm -hmm. but it's just like one line like, thank you for making this film. I really enjoyed it. You guys did a good job of portraying me. He said, the only difference is, is that my hair is darker than the character in the film. He says, I think you should send me money. Ha ha ha. And so the actual person, the inspiration behind this film, sent them a fucking letter yeah. thanking them. And it was funny because James Wan was like, he said he was so terrified of that story that he was sleeping with a hammer beside his bed. And Lee Wan has said, he said, I would too, but because of James. <laughs> so, but it was kind of cool how they incorporated their inspiration and a scene that otherwise you wouldn't think two shits about it. Right. You know, but that's the inspiration behind it. There was actually somebody tickling fucking feet and getting instructions to do it. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Yeah. You know, I don't have much more to say about this one. I don't think. No. Off the top Pick of my face head. is the only other thing I can say about this film. I that love that use. That's, yeah, that's creepy. That dude. was something, too, that I kind of remember. When I saw it again, I was like, oh, yeah, fucking... Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that is really good. That inspired some video game stuff, too, at that time. I never did play the Saw game. Uh, not the Saw game. There was, like... Oh, I'm trying to think what it was. It's like you're put in a prison. You have to get out, but there's somebody filming you. Oh, 
uh, uh, it's not a prison. It's an entire oh, part of town that he owns. It's it's Manhunt. I oh, love yes. the shit Brian out of Cox, like, yes, yeah, as okay. the director. I played those fucking games. I couldn't remember, but yeah. I think some those of those scenes... fucked up. Yeah. Uh, I would love to find some way to cover that in some way on the show. That I would think. be an interesting topic to discuss, because that was... If we could... Phew, that was good. We'll talk about this. Okay. That could be something fun that we could try to do ongoing. Well, though. see, I think that's how Saw influenced some other platform. Dude, I loved the shit out of Manhunt. They were fucking fun. They were intense. I would like to try to find some way to do something with that. I have a couple ideas running through my head right now. Cool. But we'll talk about that. But yeah, air. outside of that, definitely watch Saw. Because if you want something accessible that might spearhead you in all kinds of different directions, give this a go because it's super tame. With that, past Jigsaw... We're getting into a very special time of the year. Our favorite. Our favorite time of the year. And our next episode. Dude, it's one of not only my favorite titles for obvious reasons, but this film is so fucking good. Trick or treat! Yes, man. Trick or treat. <laughs> Trick or treat. Halloween film for pirates. R. <laughs> so many good things to talk about with that film. We'll reserve until we get there, but I'm excited about this it. one God, i've been looking so forward to all year because we've been talking we about the fact about that we're going to do it on halloween so yeah we had perfect timing for this perfect timing wonderful film we're done with saw if you want to go listen to us talk about trick-or-treat next week you can follow us soundcloud itunes itunes google play stitcher. tuned in stitcher bitcher yeah i've wanted to say that for a while Got uh, some other ones that i've heard anyway sorry <laughs> Fried Squirms podcast on the Instagrams. Yeah, we're on there if you want to check a look at, at some of our pictures. Fried Squirms on the Twitters. On the Twitters. Fried Squirms. On the Facebooks. That's right. And you can email us, squirmcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Don't forget to check out our website. www.fridesquirms.com. Yeah, so those are all the ways you can reach out and touch us. Mm, we love to be touched. And we love to consensually touch back. That's right. We're all about the consensual touch. Yeah. Enthusiastic consent. Yes. Especially in this day and age. You're damn right. <laughs> Don't feed me no <laughs> I was about to make some really off-color jokes, but... <laughs> no, we'll uh, reserve them for off. <laughs> we'll reserve them for off, <laughs> off. But believe me, we're on the side of enthusiastic consent. Yes, when we certainly are. these jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take us with a grain of salt. But yeah, in the meantime, I'm looking forward to watching trick or treat and some others in between maybe we'll talk about them later yes that's right sir but with that i'm tyler i'm danny this has been fried squirms out, out.